there, uh, Weebles group that meets with us on uh, Sunday evenings. So we had to wake up early for this service, and we are glad to be here. I know it's not early, but for college students, this is early. But uh, we're grateful to be here. We're so excited to be with the body. Uh, we have a lot of students uh, from, that are all over, and so some of them are here, some of them gone home for the summer, but we will be with you guys uh, for the majority of the summer, and we're very excited about that. Um, amen. Well, you know, today was a great day. Had an opportunity to give to special, and uh, for those of you who are visiting with us today, we're grateful you're here. For us, special missions is something we do once a year. It's an it's a offering we give to help support uh, Eurasian churches uh, in Russia and then also the Mexico City churches and then also our local missions. And uh, I feel very privileged to be a part of a family that loves to give. I do. I, I feel very privileged. And, and for me, I've actually had the opportunity to go and share uh, and spend some time with the brothers and sisters in Mexico City and also with the brothers and sisters in, uh, in Russia and one of the things that they never stop doing is saying thank you, ever. You, just spending time with them, it, it's an overflow of gratitude constantly. And, you know, for me, it gets me a little teary-eyed because I, I just feel so, so in awe to be a part of a group that loves to give to others. And we know why we do it, and it's because of God. And, you know, today we had two offerings. We had the offering where we gave the special, and we had our, our, our weekly offering, which this church uh, 50% gives online. And, and it's awesome, this idea that we're continuing to give at all times. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it, especially for us up in Denton. We, you know, college students are awesome. Uh, they're going to be giving a lot someday, but right now that's not the case. And so today what I want to do is that what I want to do is I want to show you what your money goes to. Talk about what's going on in Denton. Talk about some of the things we've been doing and some of the things that uh, our ministry has faced this year. Uh, because I know it's not that far, but it feels kind of far, especially with the construction on 35. So it can feel even further away. And so I just want to give you kind of an update of what we've been up to and, and share some things that we have been learning. You know, I, I want to start with this. This, I feel like, is very important for us to understand, at least for me. Everyone in this room is a hero. You're a hero because of your sacrifice, because of your commitment to God, the decisions you've made just to be at this point. You're a hero. And you know, it's, and heroes often have their origin stories, right? Things that got them to that point. We feel like we're constantly living in the beginning of our stand. But can we get to the good part where we get the superpowers now? Like, please, but we always feel like we have turmoil. And that, that for us in Denton, we, we saw a lot of that uh, this year. You know, I think uh, one of the things for us is this year I, I had the opportunity to, we had our, th my, we, my wife had our third baby. <laughs> and uh, Penelin's awesome. We love her to death. But that birth did not come easily. We had a lot of hardships. Uh, during her, my wife's pregnancy, in fact, she, uh, she got kidney stones that were so bad they wouldn't pass. And so she had to have emergency surgery. And then from that point on, she was put on bed rest for the rest of the time. And then after the, surgery, after the baby was born, baby was great, but mom had complications. And so even further having to be out. And then I think I'm a decent dad, but only because I have a great wife. And so when it's me alone, eh, it gets a little dicey. And so that alone was starting to bring some issues. 
And so we just, we just felt the weight of the world. And then our ministry was going through some stuff as well. And I'm only going to share about a little bit, but there was a lot going on over the course of a week, maybe a week and a half. We had three different situations that were life-altering. Uh, one of them, many of you know, uh, Debbie Lichtenwalter over in the East Region, and uh, her son Jonathan's in our group. And uh, she had the, uh, the brain tumor get worse and, and didn't know that she'd have much time left to live. And so Jonathan took off to go be with his family, as he should. And that, right after that followed uh, one of our students, a newly baptized individual. His mom was driving down the road, and the person behind her didn't like how she was driving, cut her off, pulled her out of the car, and stabbed her. <coughs> and uh, mom's going to be okay, but now they're, they're basically uh, pursuing murder charges for that individual. Um, and then a the couple days later, we had another baby Christian whose mom was driving down the road with his sister, and she was T-boned at a light because the driver didn't pay attention to what was going on, didn't see the light. Mom and sister rolled, and they're now in a, lo- a lawsuit pressing charges. Um, mom and sister are going to be fine by the grace of God. That was our week. <clears throat> so Denton had a rough semester. <laughs> we did. God is great. God is with all these situations. But, you know, one of the things that stood out to me the most was all three of these individuals still put God first. They're heroes. Jonathan had a, brother, a guy he was studying with named Calvin. And once his situation set in, he had to go. But Jonathan made sure to talk to me and walk me through where Calvin was and how I could help him. And as he went, we would stay in contact. Hey, how's Calvin doing? Hey, what's going on with Calvin? Hey, have you done this study yet? Hey, you got to do this study. I'm like, I'm on it, man. Calm down. I'll get there. And uh, honestly, I, I believe because of God and because of Jonathan's persistence, Calvin is now your brother in Christ. <laughs> and so I, I'm so grateful. Amen, yeah. It's awesome. I'm so grateful for these individuals. Our lives are hard enough without adding some sort of traumatic story to it. But when things happen, is God still our priority? And I believe for a lot of us, I believe for a lot of us, God has been our priority through thick and thin. And because of that, that that's, again, that's why I believe many men and women in this room are heroes. You know, I'm so grateful for the Schusters who, who had the opportunity to go. Those are heroes to us. And I know many of you have done that, given up part of your life to move somewhere, sold homes, sold cars, given up a job because you wanted to see the kingdom advance. You're heroes. So today I have a question for you. For many of us, a fair amount of time has gone on and has passed since those days. Have you hung up your cape? Or are you still willing to fight a little bit more? Title of my lesson today is Calling All Heroes. You know, during times of trial, God has to be in the forefront of our mind. Because that's honestly the only way we're going to be able to get through those trials. If he's not, we'll wander, we'll go the ways we shouldn't, But if he's in the forefront of our mind, we can do great things even through hardships. You know, our world seems a little bit more chaotic than it's ever been. And I think because of that, this is the time we need heroes more than ever. Our chaos is more public more than ever, that's for sure. We need heroes. 
We need heroes that are going to stand up for the lost. We need heroes that are going to continue to step on faith with their life and with their decisions. We need heroes that are going to stand up and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. So, you up for it? Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. I love the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews. I'm actually pretty frustrated I don't have a podium to put my Bible on because this looks a little weak, but I love the book of Hebrews. I do. You know, at one point, I I decided to to try something. I I decided I was going to read the book of Hebrews in one sitting in its entirety. As opposed to like, okay, let's read a chapter, let's really dissect into the, into the paragraph, into the passage, which is awesome and it's great and it has its merit. But for me, I was like, okay, I want to read the book of Hebrews in its entirety. And the reason I did this was because I thought this is how the, the church would hear it. Someone would come up and they would, they would present the letter and they'd read the letter in its entirety to the audience. And that's how they received it. So they didn't have time to kind of nitpick every word. And, I mean, they could go back later, but they didn't have time in that moment. They had to sit and listen in its entirety. And for me, when I did that, I found a new message, new ideas, as opposed to just, just narrowing in. And so that really helped me. And if that's something, hey, you're looking for something else to do, sit down and read a whole, especially a New Testament letter. Sit down and read a whole letter for itself. See the themes. See what stands out to you. You know, the book of Hebrews was written to second, uh, believed to be second generation Jewish Christians. And, and at this time, the, the Christians were, were a little bit skeptical about how they were feeling towards Christianity. It was new. It was kind of uh, unorganized in a lot of ways, which we can sometimes feel with our own lives. But Christianity was trying to get off the ground and where Judaism had its, had its old ways. There's a little bit more structure to it, and that's honestly what they liked. They liked that structure. And so the book is written to remind people about Jesus. Hey, great, I know structure is important. We'll get to that. We'll work on that. But you know what? Jesus is why we do everything, and I want to remind you about Jesus. And so the writer begins to argue some of the other complaints that are going on with the, with the church. <clears throat> and so one of the complaints is like, well, we have the angels, And in Hebrews 1, the writer goes, the angels are really good, but Jesus is better. Like, okay, okay, well, you know, we also had that Moses guy, and he he was pretty important. And then the writer responds, Moses was really good, but Jesus is better. Well, well, we had a great high priest in Melchizedek. You don't understand, this guy, he was the greatest high priest for a lot of what the Jews believed. Which the writer goes, he was good, but Jesus is still better. And in fact, Jesus is your new high priest. And that's the idea. When, when all the things came out, when all the complaints started happening, hey, well, what about Jesus? Hey, do, well, you have Jesus. Nothing else matters. And I think that same point is true today. The same point for us is true today. Jesus is better than anything else out there. Sometimes we look at our old lives. Sometimes we reminisce on what if. Do you still believe Jesus is better? Or do you tend to teeter-totter with that? A teeter-totter is one of those things like a seesaw. I don't know. Some, I know they're not legal really much anymore, but that's a thing I promise. 
I think that Jesus, the idea that Jesus is better is something we have to remind ourselves of every morning. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves daily. Why? Because if we don't, we'll be in trouble. Because it's a daily decision. And I think the idea to remind ourselves that Jesus is better is a, simple, a similar decision that we have to make every morning. Otherwise, we'll start making priority lists and Jesus won't be on it. And for many of us, that's become true. We've started to make priority lists and we forget. We assume that we'll remember Jesus, but we don't put him anywhere on the list. Jesus is better. He's better than anything we got and anything we'll ever have. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You know, this passage is telling us that Jesus died for us, and because we can now have a personal relationship with God, let us draw near to God, but do so with a sincere heart. To draw near to God with a sincere heart is a large calling. Because we can stand close to God in proximity. We do that a couple times a week when we show up to stuff. But to draw close to him with a sincere, a sincere heart is a much bigger task. You know, when I think of sincerity, I think of something that is free from pretense or from falsehood. An emotion so pure, it cannot be tainted. And Jesus was a great example of this. Check this out. Matthew chapter 26, verse 59 and verse 60. It says, The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they can put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Okay, think about that for a minute. Jesus is on a trial for his life with accusers who are already unfair, and they're already rigging the deck, and they still can't figure out anything to say badly against him. Even the lies were unbelievable. Well, Jesus, you did that. And the people around him would go, ah, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Oh, well, Jesus, you tried to kill this man. That didn't sound like Jesus either. They couldn't even lie about what Jesus had done because he was such a sincere person. Can that be said about us? Are we that sincere when things are said about us to like, no, that's not possible. I know that person. They would never do that. And I believe that, sincere, that sincerity and the lack thereof is where a lot of heroes can fall. They still may be near God in proximity and, and even in their own minds. But you know what? They've lost all sincerity. Maybe they've just grown a little tired over time. They're going through the motions. But emotionally, they're just drained. Maybe their hearts have become calloused with pain that has happened in their lives over time or, or a traumatic inc incident. And their hearts are just hard-hearted. Whatever the reason, when sincerity leaves, so does your purpose. It does. We need that sincerity in our lives. 
You know, there's, amazing, there's an amazing sister in Denton who I love to brag about, and I love to do so because I can't do it much longer. Um, this sister has just graduated from UNT and is going to be moving to China. <clears throat> and uh, this sister's Alma Flores, who's here. Alma's awesome. She's amazing. And uh, Alma's about to graduate, and hey, what do I got to do? How can I serve? How can I love God? I'm going to go to China to help the church. That's a sacrifice. She wants to see God's kingdom advance. She wants to see people helped, so she's going to go. And I think oftentimes we can make this mistake where it's like, well, I, I want to help people, so I'm going to go. But I'm not really doing anything here, so maybe, maybe I can change and go. That's not Alma. Alma was doing great things for God here. She is a machine. I love this girl. She's awesome. And her heart is, I want to continue to serve where I can meet a need. Alma's a hero to me. That mentality to go, to serve, to love, Alma's a hero to me. And you know, there's so many heroes in the Bible. In fact, Hebrews 11 gives a really good list of the, Hebrews, uh, the heroes in the Bible. But there are many more than that. I think of the people that came after Jesus. I think of, you know, Paul, who gave up his life. I think of Stephen, who was stoned for the gospel. I think of every, all the apostles who gave up their lives. John tried to give up his life. I mean, he gave his best effort, but they couldn't kill him. What are you going to do? But, but they were heroes. Not because they were smarter than anybody else. Not because there was anything special about them. But they put Jesus first no matter what. These men and women are heroes. You know, and I start to think about that time period. Okay, during that time period, these men and women were willing to give up their lives for the sake of the gospel. They were willing to be martyred for the sake of the gospel. That's huge. <laughs> that shows some commitment. And that's what was necessary during that time. Being martyred was what was necessary to see the kingdom of God advance. Times have changed since then, especially in the United States. Times have changed since then. We don't need martyrs right now. We need heroes. A hero would be willing to die for their faith, but he'd much rather live for it. And I think that's what we've got to understand. We can't just call it quits one day. As heroes... Every decision, every day, every day has got to be about living for Jesus. The Hebrew writer is telling the people, don't reminisce about your old life. Don't remember your old life. Don't even worry about it. Live for Jesus now. You know, when I think of someone with a sincere heart, uh, I think of my daughter, Holly. Holly's the oldest of my three daughters. She's four years old. And uh, last week, we flew to Arizona to go visit uh, my wife's grandmother for her 90th birthday. And on the way back, we had a, a, an early flight uh, where we had to wake up at 3.30 in the morning to get to the airport. Some of the college students are going to bed at that time. That's when we had to be up to get to the airport. So we're a little tired, okay? It's 3.30 in the morning. And so we get to the airport. And uh, there's not a lot of people talking. <laughs> Everybody's kind of got their eyes half open. All right, just get on the plane, get on the plane. And, well, everybody except my daughter, Holly. And Holly is now fully awake and uh, decides this is an opportunity for me to sing as loud as I possibly can. <laughs> and so as we're standing in the terminal, struggling to keep our eyes open, 
My daughter Holly is screaming from the top of her lungs. I kid you not, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. (laughs) And so as a dad, I'm like, shh, calm down. Looking around, like, kind of push her behind. And then I start to look at the faces of other people, like, just trying to give that apology nod. You're like, But they don't really care about me. They're looking at her, and they're smiling. This is exciting for them. It blew my mind. I was thinking probably all of them had kids, so they understood this. That's what I was trying to justify it. But they're all looking at my daughter at 5.30 in the morning, smiling at some four-year-old screaming a song about Jesus. And what I realized is that her sincerity was infectious. Her love for God in that moment just brightened people's day. When you're sincere about God, you can have that same impact. But you actually have to be sincere about God. It can't just be something I'm going through the motions, I'm saying what I'm supposed to say. But when I'm, when I'm sincere about God, I can have an impact. Holly's a hero to me. She loves God. She loves Jesus. She loves to sing about it, and she doesn't care who's watching. You know, I think the other part of this passage that stands out to me in Hebrews 10 is he says it it comes with a full assurance. talks about this idea of full assurance, and that's what we're being called to do. We're, We're called to go to God with sincerity, but we're called to go to God with a full assurance that our faith brings. And when I hear that, I I hear we've got to approach God and not doubt. We have to approach God, and we have to have complete faith in his plan. Complete faith in his plan. Not just a little bit or, man, I really hope this works out, but complete faith in his plan. And the writer says that that faith that you need to have will stem from your faith and your confidence in God. So the question we got to ask ourselves is, how much do we have faith in God's plan? You know, I'm so grateful for the married couples uh, that have graduated in Denton and decided to stay there. That's right. (laughs) And it's a big deal because Denton's not a rich job market. Denton's not flowing with opportunities yet, you know what I'm saying? But at this moment, it's not. But these individuals that have decided to to stay have made a decision. We want to see God do something great here. We believe we're a part of that plan, and we just want to be involved. And so we'll give up some stuff because we want to see God work in Denton. That's awesome. And I'm so excited about that because you know what? There are better jobs out there in better markets. But to them, it's not about the job. It's about how can I make God great? How can I make his kingdom known, and where am I needed? You know, oftentimes it can be difficult for us to make decisions because the future is hard to predict. It is. It's hard to predict. You know, I think of men and women who, who've gone on mission plantings to different cities like Lubbock or, or cities with small job markets like College Station. And you know what? They're not there to make money. They're there to advance the kingdom. And that warms my heart. But this decision only comes 
when you, when you have the full assurance that faith brings. You have to believe that God's going to do something. You have to believe that God's going to take care of you or you won't step out on faith. Because it doesn't make any sense to step out on faith. It's never made any sense to sell your home, sell your car, go back down to two suitcases and one of them's filled with your kids' toys and try to go advance the kingdom of God. It doesn't make any sense. But when you're buying into what God's selling, it makes perfect sense. But you got to buy in. And heroes do that. Heroes have bought in. James 1, verse 6 says, when, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You got to ask and you can't doubt. And if you do that, God will come through. And it's funny, I look at this illustration, it says, you will be blown and tossed by the wind. That's how it'll feel. Why? Because you're shifting what you're putting your faith in. When your faith's in God, you can be consistent. It's locked in. I know. Things will get hard, but I'm locked in. When I'm putting my faith in things that won't last, I will be tossed back and forth. Because they're of this earth. And so for me, I'm challenged. Okay, I've got to lock in. All the time, put my faith in Jesus and put my hope in him. Amen? I want to look at the second part of this passage. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meetings together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching. You know, the call for us to draw near to God is followed by examples for us to put into practice so that we may show our sincerity through our actions. So first we're called to have the hope that we profess. Then we're called to consider how we can spur one another on towards loving good deeds. And finally, we're called to never give up meeting together. So what I can gather about the Jewish Christians is they were doing the opposite of these things. They were feeling hopeless or putting their hope in something else. They were not thinking about or encouraging each other, and they no longer wanted to meet together. It was just too inconvenient. Essentially, to summarize, they didn't like the new way religious meetings were being run and wanted to go back to the old way, which is fine when we do a cappella for worship. That works for me. I've got no complaints on that. Amen. I know Alan's not here, so I can get away with that. <clears throat> So many meetings of the body took, t- took place in people's homes. And, and there wasn't a regular scheduled program. It was, hey, we, we meet together maybe at a certain time, but it was all the time. Acts 2, they met together daily. I mean, it was just whenever they could, they got together. It was an environment where before it was, hey, we, we, go, to, we go to temple, we go to the synagogue, we go, and then we go home. And what I, what I kind of realized, I, I read some commentaries, and essentially what people didn't like about the new idea of church was the interacting with other people part. <laughs> Which is like the whole point of church to begin with, right? They didn't like that. And so <clears throat> this idea of church was in, and so I, what I've started to do recently because of where I'm at and the people I interact with is I've read a lot of articles entitled like, Why Millennials Are Over Church, Five Things Millennials Wish Church Could Be, Why the Church Needs Millennials, But Millennials Don't Need the Church. It's a very particular group, as you can tell. And these articles were informative. I believe they gave some great insight to that generation. 
You know, I talked about how we can appeal more to the needs of the millennials, uh, how to become more social savvy, like using social media, um, treating millennials like adults and not assuming they're immature based on their youth, and all of this. All of this was great information. But the problem with it was when we become a place that's about making people feel good, instead of a place that's about preaching Jesus, we've missed the point. And I'm not against any of that. We, we've got to do a great job with these things, and I, I think we are. But when it comes about making people happy and not preaching Jesus, yeah, your church isn't doing well. Yeah. It's not. A church cannot survive when the individuals are self-focused. It can't, and it won't. Now, I buy, drive by churches all the time. In fact, I have to pass four or five just to get to where we go to church, which is hilarious because we go to, like, this little community center with half the lights work, half the mics work, and we love it. But, but you pass by these huge churches, and a lot of them have signs. Hey, we have our acapella service at this time, and then we have our contemporary service at this time. Contemporary service is always in the evening, which I find weird. But whatever, okay? But you've got the two services because you're addressing and you just want to make people happy. But are you preaching Jesus? Are you really preaching Jesus? You may be. But we've got to make sure that we're in it because we're in it to give. We can't survive if we're selfish. You know, and I get it. I get the idea of trying to get people in the door because that's the, what they're, that's the hope, right? Just get people in the door, and when they're in there, we're, we're going to do our best to help them. But if the goal is to appear, appeal to the lowest common denominator, we'll never truly challenge the people to grow past a certain point. We won't because we'll all be stuck at the same low level. And even when you're there really fast, well, we gotta, we got to keep appealing to the lowest common denominator. And you'll get burnt out. You'll get tired. You want to leave. If we're going to be the heroes that God knows we can be, our focus has to be on others and not ourselves. It has to be. Every day, all of our decisions. A person who saves themselves is not a hero. Only when they risk their own life for the benefit of others can they be achieving that title. They've got to. Jesus set the standard for us to follow. And he did so in life and he did so in death. You know, the whole passage of, of Hebrews 10, the, the second part, starts out because Jesus died for us. Hey, because Jesus died for you, because his blood was shed, we now have an opportunity to talk to God. We don't have to communicate through a high priest. Our new one's Jesus. He's our high priest. Talk to him. That was a joyous occasion. Once a year, the high priest would go into the most holy place and he'd make sacrifices for the, the benefit of the people. And you really hope the guy's making a sacrifice for you because if he doesn't, yeah, it's a missed opportunity and you hope you live another year. But now we have Jesus. And Jesus speaks on your behalf. That's encouraging. That's awesome. And because it's so awesome and because it's so amazing, the writer goes, look, Jesus loves you. Hey, so do these things. Hey, Jesus died for you. Hey, just show up to church. <laughs> hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, encourage people. Have them over. Feed them. Because Jesus loves you. Because he believes in you. So what does this look like from a practical side? So I want to look at a couple practicals. Number one, I think for us, we've got to have more spiritual goals. 
You know, one of the things Todd is always trying to communicate to me is our goal is to grow the church. Good goal. So sometimes the decisions that are made are about doing just that. For example, we feel very fortunate to meet up in Denton. And we know that meeting up in Denton negatively affects this region because it takes a lot of the college students out. It, does, uh, it takes a lot of the youth out, and it makes this group a little bit smaller. But we've been able to grow the church up there. Since Kelly and I have been there, we've been able to double the ministry. All for God's glory, and it's all God anyway, and so we're just grateful to be a part of it. But because we're so close to campus, I firmly believe we've had the opportunity to grow. And I know that's at the detriment of this region, and so that's why we're so grateful. That's why we're so appreciative of all the things you do, but it's that mentality. What's going to be best to grow the church? And I think if we have spiritual goals and we have things we're working for and we really want to glorify God, sometimes things have to be sacrificed. Our own wills, our own desires, Sometimes we're just going to have to take a back seat so we can make God great. Are we willing to make the sacrifices necessary to make God great? Because we are in our mind, and then when that moment comes, it's like, uh, I don't know. I really like what I'm doing now. It, it, it's, it's really comfortable. And I get that. But if we really want to achieve our spiritual goals, we've got to make the decision to sacrifice on a daily basis. Amen? Number two, we've got to start dreaming for other people. I think it's important for us to have dreams for our own life, have spiritual goals for our own life. Absolutely. But it's just as important to have them for the people around you. Do you usually take the time to dream about how to make your Bible talk great? Or how to make the members in your Bible talk great? Hebrews 10.24 tells us to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Consider. Think about. Meditate on. Think about other people and how to make them great. How to make them feel loved or encouraged. This is a calling for us. And one of the things I've under, started to understand, if, if we do that, our Bible talks will be great because we're thinking about other people. Our small groups, our ministries, they'll be awesome because we're, we're focused on how can we give. How can we love? You know, when we start dreaming for other people and helping them to achieve their dreams, you start to endear yourself to those individuals. You start to build those relationships. Because oftentimes you can get in that rut, right? You go to Bible talk, same Bible talk every other week, and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know what else to talk to you about. We talk about the same thing every week. You know, maybe it's the Cowboys. Maybe it's politics. And it's like nothing's changed since then. It's the, it's the preseason. You know, there's nothing new. And so you just run out of things to talk about. But if you're focused on their lives and other people's lives, there's plenty of things to talk about. But we got to think about those things we got to consider those things. And this is one of the ways we'll start to become heroes. Or we'll start to regain our heroship. Because we're living for other people. And as we close, I want us to remember that we have the ability to be heroes in Christ. Some of us deal, let's be honest, some of us deal with insecurity. I can't do it. it it's not possible. You can do it. 
You've already done it by making Jesus Lord. And if you're visiting with us today and have not made that decision yet, talk to the person that brought you. Do it. But you can do it. It's possible. But you're going to need people in, their, in your life. You're going to need people to talk to on a regular basis. And you're going to need people you can be completely open with, not just open enough to make them know that you're still faithful. You got to be open. Get the help you need to help, get help with. You know, and the reason we do all of this, the reason we do any of this is because of Jesus. You know, we're about to take the bread and the juice right now. And we look at Jesus, and we look at his sacrifice, we look at his sincerity, and it's obvious, it's obvious that he's a hero. And what gets it even more for me is, yes, he was a hero for the whole world, but more specifically, he was a hero for me. He was a hero specifically so that you could have a relationship with God and you could get to stand with him someday in paradise. That's why he did it for you. So let let us imitate that calling. Let us remember what he did as we take the bread and the juice. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we're so grateful to be together this morning. We're so grateful for all that you do for us. God, you are a hero. Your son dying for us. God, the opportunity to know him on a regular basis, God, it, it, it warms our heart. God, we are, we are nothing without him. God, I pray this week we can give our hearts and we can give our energy and we can give our everything because your son led us in, a, in that example. God, we, we love you so very much. Pray all this in your son's name. Amen.